Hello. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We hope that you will be encouraged and it builds your faith. Thanks for listening. Spirit, and, it's, and the Lord has spoken it to my heart. It's been in my heart for a little while. I want to take you to a couple passages of Scripture. Though I want you to turn to the book of Amos chapter 9. And I'm going to read one verse there. But the main text is going to be Luke chapter 22. And I want to read a passage in uh, Amos chapter 9 that's going to help undergird or support Luke 22. Um, and so I want to read that passage to you before we go over there. And then I want to talk about it for just a minute. And uh, because I really believe it's a short word, but it's, it's a powerful word. It's had a great impact on me as I have prepared for it the last few days and as the Lord has spoken to me. Verse 9 of Amos chapter 9, it begins like this. In uh, verse 9 it says, For surely I will command and will sift the house of Israel among all nations, as grain is sifted in a sieve. Yet not the smallest grain shall fall to the ground. All the sinners of my people shall die by the sword, who say the calamity shall not overtake us or confront us. Go down to verse uh, 13. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper. Praise God. And the, and the treader of the grapes, uh, grapes him who sows seed, the mountains shall drip with sweet wine, and all the hills shall flow with it. If you would, turn over to the book of Luke, the book of Luke chapter 22, and a very famous, or very familiar verse of scripture, and the book of Amos, God is speaking to the children of Israel, and God is saying that I am about to sift you like wheat, and God is going to allow the sifting to go on in the nation because of several reasons. One, the main reason was their idolatry. They're turning away from God. Their lack of dependence upon God and turning to other idols and giving themselves to the calamity of the day. God says, I'm about to allow you to be sifted like wheat. Here in the book of Luke chapter 22 and beginning in verse 31, this is the Lord Jesus speaking to Peter. And this is what he says, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I prayed for you that your faith should not fail when you have returned, and when you have returned to me, strengthen your brother. Strengthen your brother. You know, these are are very incredible passages of Scripture, and when you begin to look at them, uh, they're extremely powerful. In other words, uh, what we see here is that God uh, is allowing the nation of Israel to be sifted. They're about ready to transition into uh, a place of of captivity, and they're being shifted and, and sent to captivity. Here, Simon Peter, the Lord Jesus speaks to him and says, Simon, uh, the course of your life is about to change. And Satan has asked that he be able to sift you like wheat. But I want you to know, Simon, 
or Peter, that I am praying for you. And I am praying for you. And as I pray for you, I want you to know that I'm praying that your faith will not fail during this sifting that Satan has asked to do. And when you return to me, you will be able to strengthen your brethren. And it's a passage Jesus here is dealing with Peter, and he uses this term, sifting. And uh, he says, the, the devil desires to sift you. And, you know, when I begin to study the context of this, the truth is the devil wants to sift all of us. The purpose of the devil is to literally to destroy us. Satan's desire was to take Peter out. That's what he wanted to do. Satan's desire is to take the church out, to take God's people out, to take you out, and to take me out. And he says that it's by the process of sifting that Satan wants to do this. That through the processing of sifting, he will ruin your faith. He will cause you to fail in your faith. He will cause you to give up, to let go, to let down, to quit, to walk away from. And it's Satan's desire to sift every one of us so that our faith would fail. But Jesus says, I pray for you. And I pray for you that your faith does not fail. Isn't it good to know that we have a Savior, the Scripture says, that sits at the right hand of God ever to make intercession for you and I? How comforting is that to know that that Jesus is praying for you? He is an individual Savior. He is lifting you up and praying for you. And then he says that when you return, Peter, you will strengthen the brethren. Now that's powerful. That's a powerful statement. Now, I don't know how many of you know what sifting is. I only know because I got a grandmother that cooked three meals a day for my grandfather, and she's from the South. And so I would watch her cook and sift while she cooked. And uh, I don't know how many of you uh, have a sifter at home. That's who, how many of you still do it? Anybody still do it? Donna does it. And uh, what sifting is, is that it's, a, it's an instrument that what you take, you put wheat or flour in, and you sift it, you shake it, and by sifting it, you begin to uh, uh, not purify, but kind of purify it, but you, you kind of take it through this process where everything that is impure in it is sifted out of it. And so that all that you have left is the purity of what you have sifted. And the scripture here is talking about how Satan desires to sift us But when Satan sifts us, his desire is to sift out everything of God that is good in us. He's to sift us so that what is left and exposed is what is not good or useful in us. In other words, when you sift, you take that flour or that wheat and you put it in that sifter And you begin to shake it. And when you shake it, that flour begins to be sifted through that shaking. And in that shaking uh, and that agitation of that shaking, 
That flour comes through that strainer, but all of the husk and all of the uh, uh, chaff and everything that is in that flour that is not useful will remain in the sifter, and it, it, the only thing that will be left will be what is uh, been sifted or what's been purified. It is a process of now, today we have modern day flour and wheat. I don't even know if it's really necessary that you have to, but they say that the reason why my grandmother used to sift all the time was because sometimes flour would sit and it would get hard and it would have lumps in it. And she always bought flour that had, uh, that was not quite as pure. I guess it was just natural, whatever. And so they sifted it. And so if it sets and gets hard, then those lumps will be in there. And if you allow lumps to get into what you're producing or cooking, uh, what happens is it affects the, uh, the meal, the bread, or whatever it is that you're making. So you have to get the sifting out. You have to get the lumps out in order for it to be good. Now, I know I'm talking to a bunch of people that's been raised on canned biscuits. All right? Some of y'all know... <laughs> Y'all looking at me like, cow. I know Betty Crocker's been your friend the last 30 years, right? But every cake my grandmother made, she sifted the flour. Every, every biscuit she made, she did. Every, every, I mean, she sifted it all. And, and, and she said the reason why she did it, she used to say, and I want to tell you that the taste was in the, well, taste was in the pudding. I'm just telling you. It tasted better. It just tasted better because it was sifted. It was shaken. The word here means to be, to be shaken. The Greek word means to be shaken. It means an inward agitation to try one's faith to the verge of overthrow. In other words, what Satan does is he comes and sifts your life to the point you want to give up or to the point your faith gives out or is shaken. And so he shakes everything that is godly. He tries to remove everything, every good quality, every precious thing, every virtue that is in you, every area of holiness, every area of dedication. He tries to sift out of your life and get it out of your life. Jesus said, Peter, this is about ready to happen to you. But I'm here to tell you that's what happens to every believer. God uses two processes in order to, to build the believer. He allows Satan to sift us, and he also allows, he also himself purges or prunes us. In John 15, he prunes us. He purges us. But here we see, just like Peter, he also allows Satan uh, at times to, to, uh, to sift us. But the whole purpose of Satan is that, is that he said, Satan has asked for you, Peter. And he said that I pray for you. And he said that, that your faith would not fail. In other words, the trial is coming. There is a trial that is coming. And we all know that Jesus, Peter looked at Jesus when he said these words. And what did Peter say to Jesus? He said, oh, Jesus, my faith is not going to fail. And Jesus said this, by the time the rooster crows three times at the end of this passage, you will have denied me. And Peter said, no, Lord, I'll go to the death for you. 
And so the whole purpose of sifting is to bring to the surface that which is not useful. And so the purpose of Satan's sifting is to expose you, to ruin you, to destroy you. The purpose of Satan's sifting is to, is to get you to the place to where uh, he destroys whatever God has for you and whatever God wants to do in your life. How we respond to that sifting determines whether or not we go on with God. I've seen people come into the church and get saved. And y'all know, when I got saved, it was glorious for a couple months. I was on cloud nine. I shared Jesus with everybody, with dogs and cats and everybody listened that wanted to hear Jesus, I shared Jesus with. There was the joy of my salvation. There was the excitement of being born again, of being washed in the blood of Jesus. And then all of a sudden, boom, trials begin to hit my life. And those trials come against my life. And I want to share with you just a couple of things about sifting and how Satan uses that sifting. In other words, Satan, first of all, he sifts us, the devil sifts us to rid us of the good things that are in us. In other words, he wants you to see and recognize and have your focus on the things about you that are not perfect instead of what Christ has done in you and for you. He wants to reveal your weaknesses to you so that you uh, see those weaknesses and that you become insecure in those weaknesses and that you come to the place to where you don't see that you don't see anything good that God has done for you, that your focus is on what your weakness is and not on what God wants to do in you and through you. Because when you sift something, the only thing that remains is that which is unuseful. And the enemy is saying, you say you love God, but look, you have this in your life, and you have that in your life. You've, you, you've allowed this to come into your life, and this is what rules you, and this is what you have given into, and this is what you are. But how many know the Bible says that that good work, which he started in you, he'll be faithful to complete that work in us? That what you are today is not what you were when you got saved or when you gave your life to Jesus. How many are thankful you're not what you used to be? How many are thankful? But Satan will sift you and show you all the bad stuff. Listen, the spirit of the gospel is not exposure. The spirit of the gospel is restoration. And we have too many people worried about exposure and worried about what they can find in people's lives that are wrong, instead of worrying about bringing those people to a place of relationship with God where everything that is wrong can be restored in their life. How many know we need to start repairing some people's lives instead of destroying their lives? And so the sifting, the enemy wants to expose you, wants you to see Expose what you, and why? Why does he do that? To keep you from recognizing the good things that God has brought into your life. I mean, he does it that way. In other words, when Peter, when he, when he, when he, when he uh, had denied Jesus, y'all know the story, he denied Jesus, he ran, he hid, 
He became ashamed. He, you know, matter of fact, the scripture says that that when he when he denied Jesus the third time, Jesus even looked at him and he made eye contact with Jesus. Seeing the fulfillment of what Jesus said. Now, Jesus didn't say that because he wanted Peter destroyed. But he was honest with Peter. He knew that there was a work that God had for Peter and that in order for God to do the work that he had for Peter, he knew that he had to walk through the sifting process of what Satan wanted to do. But he prayed that, 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 he prayed that, that Peter's uh, would come through and his faith would not fail. I'm telling you that sifting is a part of the Christian life, but the interesting thing is not everybody passes. Not everybody. I mean, we see that. We, we, we see it in Saul's life. Saul started out well, but then the enemy sifted him, and he gave in. We see it in Judas's life. The enemy sifted him, and his faith failed. And he gave up. But there are those that the enemy sifted that came through. Look at Job. Satan came and asked for permission to come against Job. And he came against Job. And Job stood there and said this. He said, though he slay me, I will serve him. And Satan surely sifted Job. And he came out on the other side better than he was before. David, in order to be a man that came after God's heart, had to be sifted. He was sifted through the trials of his life, but yet he still continued after the heart of God. And in Psalm 51, we see David's repentance as he continued to cry out to God and said, God, search me. Search me, O God. Continue to search me. He would not give up. He would not let his faith fail. And we know that David came out on the other side. The same thing happened to Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was sifted. And he came out on the other side. Listen, God will bring you out on the other side. But the sifting is not to expose what is in you. But I'm here to tell you, God, through the sifting, will take what has been purified and turn it around and work it for your good. You say, how do you know that? Because Peter was a different man on the day of Pentecost than he was that stood before Jesus when when Jesus said those words to him. Why? Because he came out on the other side of that sifting. And I'm here to tell you that we can come out on the other side of the sifting. The sifting is that so the enemy can rid the good things of your life. The second reason Satan sifts us is to prove is to prove our confession matches, that our faith matches our confession. In other words, what Peter said, Lord, I won't deny you. Then all of a sudden, Satan proved whether or not that was a true statement in Peter's life. The book of James tells us It tells us, it says what? It says, rejoice when you fall into what? Diverse temptations or fall into temptations. Because the proving of your faith worketh in you. Is that not right? So it worketh in us. In other words, what is Satan doing? Satan, if you make a confession, 
with your mouth, Satan will prove that confession. If you confess Christ, he's going to prove that in you. He's going to sift you to where that is proven. He's going to sift you to whether or not he's going to expose whether or not that's what you really believe or not. Because we know that in the last days, there's going to be those that come and say, Lord, Lord. Right? There's going to be those that, 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 that say they love God. But all you have to understand is that once they begin to be sifted, all of a sudden, their faith is either going to break through or their faith is going to fail. And I'm here to tell you, God wants to keep our faith from failing. God will not let your faith fail as long as you hold on to him. He will make sure that what your confession is will match your faith. He will prove that in your life. He will prove that work that is in your life. Number three, Satan sifts us so that we are not able to strengthen the brethren. Sifting is an indicate. Listen, sifting in your life is an indication of the potential that is in you. Because Satan would not have wanted to go after Job if he wasn't such a righteous man. Satan would not have wanted to go after Peter if, 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 if Peter did not have the potential in him to do exceptional things in the kingdom of God for him. In other words, Peter stood and he preached and 3,000 got saved on the day of Pentecost. Satan understood the potential that was in Peter and the sifting was to keep him from coming to the place to where he strengthens his brethren. How does the sifting of Satan keep us from strengthening our brother? And what he does is he, he turns ourselves from looking to God. Satan sifts us so that we look at ourselves and not at God. In other words, when he sifts us, the way that he keeps us from strengthening our brothers is that we become a victim in life. Everything's about us. Everything's about what's going on with us. Everything's about what we've been through and what we've walked through. And our focus is not on the kingdom. Our focus is on us. He will use the trials and, and, and difficulties, in other words, that, that, are, that he sifts us so that the greatness that is in your life never gets to the place to where it is used if he keeps you at the place where while you're sifting, you're always in that place of sifting. You never come through on the other side of that. You never break through. He sifts us so that we lose our consecration, our holiness. He sifts us that we lose our dedication, which is our sacrifice. He sifts us so that we never become mature in God and never become the place of maturity. He sifts us so that we never find unity or able to love one another like we should. He sifts us so we never find the purpose and ministry that God has for us. And he sifts us. Now, I remember that when my grandmother would sift, that she would, uh, after she got done, sometimes there'd be hard clumps that would be in that sifter that she used. And she'd step out on the back porch and she'd take that sifter and she'd bang it on the back of the house. And that, that hard, lumpy flour 
that would not yield, that hardness would fall off onto the ground and there was a crazy old cat that would come and eat that flower. (laughs) In other words, what was left is what the enemy wanted to use to keep you from coming to the place of where you strengthen your brother. But like Peter, now here's here's the key. Look what it said in the scripture. It says, when you have returned to me, strengthen the brethren. Now, get this. This is what's awesome. When my grandmother would sift all of that weed out into that whatever that bowl was, it all started in a, in, a, in, a, in a cup, a measuring cup. She would take what was in that measuring cup and put it in that sifter. She would sift and sift and sift. And then there would be what was left she'd throw out, and then there would be in the bowl what was sifted. And you know what she would do with that? She would sit there with a spoon. I don't even know if it's efficient or not. But she would sit there with a spoon, and she would spoon everything that was sifted back into the original cup to measure it out, to make sure that the measurement was right. The difference was what she started with was much different than what she ended with. And Peter, when he returned to Jesus, you remember he was fishing, right? You remember he was fishing. He had been sifted. He had allowed his siftedness to drain him to a place of where he was at this place where he was ready to give up. He had gone back to his old life. He had gone back to what he used to do. And what happened? Jesus came after him. Jesus stood on the shore while he was fishing. And Jesus said, you have anything to eat? Or he said, Peter, you hungry? He had cooked Peter some fish. And what did Peter do? He put on his cloak. He jumped in the water. And he swam in to Jesus. In other words, it is a picture of returning. In other words, after we are sifted, after that challenge or trial in our life produces what it produces, if we will return back to Jesus, he will use us to strengthen the brethren that are in our lives. Y'all hearing me tonight? Is that making sense? Because why? What does a trial do? These trials produce in us what is in us, but sometimes God has to sift us or allow Satan to sift us so that we can get rid of the things that are unuseful in our lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so Satan wants to sift us. I've got to quit, but the other way that God matures us is he does it through purging. And he does it through pruning of our life, John 15. Now, I, I preached Sunday in, in Tennessee, and I mentioned this, and I, I want to mention it to you. If you read John 15, you will see there was, there was the vine that pr- produced no fruit, that, pr- that produced little fruit, much fruit, and more fruit. There were f- four measures of fruitfulness that is mentioned in John 15. And Jesus dealt with each of those measures of fruitfulness, but he said the one that produced more, uh, more fruit, he pruned it 
or produce some fruit, he pruned it that it might produce more fruit. And he pruned it, and he trimmed it, and he pruned it. Now, here is what's interesting. I didn't realize this, but in studying vines and in studying fruit trees, I realized that there is a, there is a, uh, what's called a sucker shoot that grows on many vines. And a sucker shoot, or some would call it a, um, uh, well, there's another name for it, but it's mostly called a sucker shoot. And what they are is they're shoots that grow off the vine that when sap rises down to feed the, the branch uh, in the vine, that those sucker shoots will drain the nutrients to keep from getting to the fruit. In other words, they're things that they're growth, it's growth that needs to be pruned off. And the way that we mature, or the way God does, is he begins to break off or cut off those things that don't allow us in the branches to produce fruit. In other words, he will cut those sucker things off because they pull life. Listen, overgrowth in a fruit tree will reduce its ability to produce fruit. And so they have to be cut back. And I got to thinking about this. I thought, sucker shoots. Isn't that an interesting name? Because how many of us have people in our life that just sucks the life out of us? <laughs> how many have habits in our life that sucks the life out of us? It makes us a sucker, right? And we have to cut those things off that suck life out of us so that we can produce life, so that we can produce and become fruitful in our life. And so I believe this is what God is doing in this hour. God is sifting the church. He's allowing, and, and, and what's happening is that what we see going on is, is I believe God is allowing a season for the church to be sifted so that we can see what really is in us. But if, we, if our faith does not fail and we return back to him, which I believe revival is coming, if we return back to him, if we return back to him, we will be able to strengthen the brethren. But we first must return back to him. Jesus prays that our faith does not fail. You have to allow the sifting of the church. I'm telling you, it's coming. There's a sifting of the church that's coming throughout this nation. And because we live in a small town, we've not felt it yet. But there's a lot of places that are starting to feel the hostility of this world that is beginning to sift us. And things that are being exposed, I don't know if we like to see in the church. And so, Satan is trying to sift us, but it's only going to make us better. Thank you for joining us for River Valley Community Church's podcast. If you feel led to give, you can click on the donation link in the description or visit our website at rivervalleymadison.com. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share with your friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.